I'm Michelle Sims, and this is The Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. For this episode, I'm happy to welcome Carolyn Wallace to the show. Carolyn, who is a licensed independent clinical social worker and an archetypal consultant, has almost 20 years of experience guiding people through the process of transformation. While she's worked with various modalities, archetypal consulting is the most powerful and transformative so far. Through archetypal consulting sessions, speaking, and writing, she helps spiritual women stand in their own authority with unapologetic confidence and activate their highest potential through the power of archetypes. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how others get through their messes, even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way, a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our journeys by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of our experiences, lessons, and knowledge. So join me for episode 46 of The Beauty in the Mess, called Understanding the Power of Archetypes with Carolyn Wallace. She holds a 500-hour yoga teacher certification from Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health and is a certified Shake Your Soul dance teacher. While employed at Kripalu, she taught many yoga and dance classes and workshops. She is a seeker of spiritual wisdom and draws from many different streams in her work with clients. So, without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation. Hi, Carolyn. Welcome to The Beauty and the Mess. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, I know you're an archetypal consultant. Yep. Okay, good. But before we get into depth with that, could you tell us your backstory? How did you become an archetypal consultant? Well, I've been a therapist for 20 years now. And um, I've also been someone who's always been a spiritual seeker, just always my whole life. I was a yoga teacher for a while and always loved everything wisdom, everything spiritual. And it just seemed like the next step. I was a therapist. Therapy is great. I think therapy is very helpful for people. I still do that work. Lots of good progress that people can make. But because of my interest in spirituality and I love learning, it just seemed like the perfect marriage between therapy work and um, my spirituality work. And when I started studying archetypes, it just was the most wonderful fit. And I feel like I do even deeper work with clients as an archetypal consultant than I ever have done as a therapist. For clients who are really on board with archetypal consulting and they're into it and they excited about it and they can see the value in it. Clients can make very quick progress. Wow. So for the listeners and even for myself, what exactly is an archetype? What is an archetype? An archetype, you can think of an archetype as a pattern of power. And that's how Carolyn Mace describes archetypes. And her program was the program through which I became certified. So she calls archetypes psychological and emotional patterns of power that exist in the collective unconscious. 
So we might not be aware that we are embodying different archetypes. And part of our job is to become conscious of the archetypes that make us up, that are the underlying energetic archetypes of our lives. Because until we become aware of them, we're usually living by their default pattern. For example, if we're not aware that we've got a saboteur archetype, we will probably spend a lot of time sabotaging ourselves. And, and every person will, will do this. It's just part of being human. But when we become aware that, for example, the saboteur archetype has a path from being in default to making fabulous empowered choices for herself then we can say, oh, maybe I could stop living in this default pattern that I wasn't aware that I was even doing and start making choices that align more with my goals. And like that particular archetype outlines a path for how to do it. And all of the archetypes outline a path for how to go from maybe lives that we feel somewhat stuck in or victimized by, or we're not sure why we keep having the same patterns that mess up our relationships, our work, our whatever it is, work with an archetypal consultant can really help you get crystal clear about what pattern is there and how to shift it. Is that because it does give you the steps to get out of that? Because like a lot of us know that we self-sabotage, but we don't know how to stop self-sabotaging. Does that make sense? Well, it does give you a path, but it also depends on the person's willingness to work the path, right? Right. Like, you know, like, you, know you can get a, an exercise book and read all about <laughs> the benefits of exercise, but if you're not willing to actually get out there and exercise, you're not going to get the benefits from it. But what's so cool about archetypal consulting is ultimately when people come to me, we identify all 12 of their archetypes and we can see how all 12 work together. And you know, we can pull from the energetic patterns of all 12 and they can support one another to help us really bring something out of just someone's ordinary life into something that's much more extraordinary and powerful than people realize they ha even have access to. I was going to ask if, and I think you just answered it, but you know, there are 12 and I was just wondering if it was like steps, like you have to go through one to, to work through the next one. Is that why they're numbered or are they just identified as 12 different archetypes? I don't have to necessarily go through any steps. Now, what happens if someone would come to work with me is that if they're interested in this, they're work with archetypes without, we call putting them in a archetypal wheel or casting them in an archetypal wheel. So if people aren't interested in that, we can work with one individual archetype at a time. But if you really want the power of the archetypes, you cast them into what we call an archetypal wheel. And an archetypal wheel is very similar to an astrological wheel where there's 12 houses. And each of the 12 houses are ruled by a zodiac sign, for example. Like the first house is, is ruled by that um, zodiac sign of Aries in the archetypal wheel. So if we know what archetype falls in your first house, then we can start to think about, oh, well, really, how do you identify yourself? What is your ego slash identity? And how do you approach new beginnings? So if you've got saboteur in first house and you realize that every time you start a new venture or something new and something you sabotage it in some way, that gives you a lot of information that saboteur is in your first house. And so this is what to look out for. And this is what 
to do. And this is how to change your energy around it so that you can start making positive choices around your ego, identity, new beginnings, the spark of passion that happens when anything new comes into your life. You can be very conscious of um, very conscious pattern instead of just living by default. If you are not conscious of it, you'll just keep sabotaging anything that's a that's a first house um, related issue in your life. So, and this is new for me because I, I didn't realize this, but the archetypes are related to the zodiac signs? The archetypes signs? themselves aren't or... related to the zodiac signs. Okay. When we cast them okay. in an archetypal wheel, then they're very related to the zodiac signs because they're related to the houses in which they fall, the houses of the archetypal wheel in which they fall. Does that make sense? You you can talk about archetypes without talking about zodiac signs. That's Okay, I, I I hadn't yeah. read anything to that extent, so that surprised me. But if it in the archetypal wheel, if it, when you're talking zodiac signs, is it based on the person's birth month and date, wheel, or everybody's everybody the, the same, same in the archetypal wheel? Actually, I just wrote an article about this. Archetypal wheel is the same. It all starts with first house is Aries, second house is Taurus, third house is Gemini, all the way around to 12th house in Pisces. But in your personal astrological wheel, everyone's would be different. What makes it different for every person is that all of our archetypes are different. And when you cast your wheel, all of that is different. So your archetypal wheel, the structure of it is the same for every person, but everyone's wheel is different because everyone's archetypes are different and you read them differently depending on your different archetypes fall in the different houses. Wow. Okay. So it's kind of like a collective of all your different archetypes, kind of like all the facets of your personality in a way. Like suppose you keep having trouble in your romantic relationships, for example, or something's off in your current romantic relationship and you want information about that. Well, you would look to your seventh house archetype for that. But you would also look at your fourth house archetype to help you figure out what's going on there because your fourth house archetype has to do with your family of origin. And all of our family of origin stuff kind of comes into our relationship stuff at some point. So knowing how those two relate is actually very important. Yeah, um, I'm learning and, a lot about yeah. the family of origin. I term it as childhood, but it just affects everything you do as an adult and you don't even realize it most of the time. And all of that has to do with how you identify yourself. So then we're looking at the first of it. So an archetypal consultant can really help you see all of these patterns, how they fit together and how to use each archetype to help uplift whatever areas of your life you're looking for that for. That's wonderful. So I, I had read where you said that archetypes can help create boundaries in our life. How does it do that? Or does it just point out where we don't have boundaries so we know to set up boundaries? Well, I th are you referring to the article that I wrote about the victim archetype? I, um, I read that you had posted. I can't really tell you which one. Okay, no, that's fine. So, so boundaries, when I hear the word boundaries, I think of um, the warrior archetype. And the warrior archetype can really be a good support to the victim archetype. So we all have the victim archetype, by the way. We all have four 
that are the same for every person. This is according to Carolyn Mace. She calls them the survivor archetypes. So the victim archetype is one of those. And so if, if you're being a victim or you see someone being a victim, they don't have a lot of boundaries. They don't have a lot of self-esteem. I'm not allowed to have this thing in my life. I'm not allowed to have a relationship. I'm not allowed to have good money, whatever it is. And so to evolve that victim archetype, to help her gain some more power, we bring in like a warrior quality to that. And the warrior quality, instead of saying, I'm not allowed to have, the warrior quality kind of says, whoa, wait a minute. What do I allow and what do I not allow? Like she can say, I do not allow either someone to victimize me, someone to treat me poorly, or I do not allow those thoughts. Sometimes the warrior has to have boundaries around your own personal thinking. I do not allow you continue to think these thoughts that are unloving and disempowering. So let's change them. Wow. I hadn't really so, thought of a, uh, the warrior in that way. Yeah. I mean, as far yeah. as stopping those, I call it the inner critic or... <laughs> Yeah, those nagging little yeah. voices that, that you know. And sometimes that's the most important place to have boundaries around. I don't know if you found that. I I, I can but see where it is. I, I think it, it's hard to stop that. I mean, you have to really be in tune with what you're saying to yourself in that's order right. to stop it. <laughs> that's yeah. right. And that's why talking about this stuff is so important because we can go for however many days, months, years, like not being even aware of what our inner voice is telling us. Right. So when you start to think about all these archetypes, you can start to really see, oh, wow, I have the victim. I have the saboteur. I have the child archetype. How am I acting like childish in this way? Or what did I learn in my childhood? What was a coping skill I learned in my childhood? Maybe to be super independent because no one was really taking care of me. Well, how is that kind of getting in my way now? You know, maybe my independence isn't such a great thing anymore, even though it helped me in my childhood. So just becoming aware of these patterns, just that in itself is so important. Right. And I, I think a lot of times what you say to yourself, one thing I have learned is it may not have even originated with you. It may have originated from someone else said it to you, and then you just continue right. to repeat it to yourself. Our family of origins have a really putting these messages into our head in our communities and our schools and our childhood right. friends and our siblings and all of that. Yeah. And I think you're a lot more susceptible when you're younger to just believe whatever they tell you. And then you grow up never questioning that, just accepting it. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. So what you just said is really the biggest reason why we do this work what's unconscious? What are we unconsciously thinking and doing and saying, and how are we behaving? And if we're confused about why our lives aren't working out as we would like them to, let's take a look at all that. Let's bring all this up into consciousness so that we can start making changes if we want to. Yeah, absolutely. Awareness is key for everything, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, awareness and then what's the path forward? both of those things, I think. So the, so this kind of lays out the path forward once you figure out what you feel is making you stuck, say, say yeah. it's self-sabotage. So when, if someone were to work with you, then they would walk away with a, a plan or not walk away necessarily, but leave that session with a plan of how do I undo this? That's right. Yep. And, and it would be legible to each individual person. But if you're going to evolve your saboteur, 
uh, you would start thinking about Carolyn Mace calls um, the saboteur in the light, the light side of the saboteur instead of the shadow side. She calls her the guardian of choice. So the guardian of choice has actual choices about how they're going to live. I mean, we always have choices, but do we hit the snooze alarm 20 times in the morning when we really wanted to get up and put on our gym shoes and go to the gym? That's a choice. But if you think about the guardian of choice and being having the guardian of choice be connected to your goals, then you can start to make different choices because you're aware of what your goals are. And then even further, the guardian of choice, once you start not living according to your defaults, and once you start making choices that are in alignment with your goals and that are really inspiring to you, you start really changing. And what's beautiful about the saboteur archetype is that in the highest light, you develop a part of your personality that some people call the special sauce of your personality because you finally stopped blocking yourself and now some part of your personality can really come through that people can really know you by in a positive way that you never had access to before so it really makes sense that we would do this work because don't we all want to have more access to the light sides of us uh -huh. so that we can live by that and put that out into the world so, uh, so how does this work help you overcome something like fear? Because fear is so innate and it's so crippling to a lot of people in some ways. How does it help with that? Well, I think there's many different answers to that okay. particular question. But when I hear the word fear, I think about, now don't laugh, it's called the prostitute archetype. <laughs> and that archetype actually is also one of the survivor archetypes that every person has. And it doesn't mean that you're selling your body for sex in any way. <laughs> I'll be doing that. Of course it could. But what it means is that we're selling out our values because we don't trust that we can have our needs met by our own core values. So we sell out our values. We sell out because we want this relationship to stay and to feel good. And we sell out because we're afraid to speak up to our boss because we really need this job, for example. Or we might take a job with a company that doesn't quite align with our values because it has really good benefits. Or even in our families of origin, we don't speak up and say what we want to say now to our parents and our siblings because we want to keep the peace. So that fear piece is a big part of what keeps the prostitute archetype in the shadow and what she needs to learn as she evolves or he, I mean, every person has this, right. right. Is to put their faith and trust in an outcome that would be created if they really did live by their core values. And what if they did live by their core values? Maybe a relationship would rupture and maybe that would still be okay. And maybe that would be what needed to happen in this particular thing. And maybe something even better was on the horizon if they got out of a relationship, a job or something be transformed within that relationship. It doesn't mean you have to get out of something. It means if you don't speak up, no change is going to happen. Right. So the, the fear is the fear of the prostitute, she has to become the guardian of faith that has faith that her voice matters, that she can walk forward according to her values, and that something about doing that is going to bring a better outcome for her. Some kind of transformation will happen. Right. And a lot of us, I, I want to say women, but it's probably men and women suffer from a, a feeling of unworthiness. And I think 
that when you don't speak up for yourself, you never stand up for yourself. It feeds right back into that, which makes you feel even more unworthy because now you're not even defending yourself or speaking up for yourself. Or even knowing what your values are. Why would you speak up for yourself if you don't even know what would be in there to say? That's right? true. Yeah. 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 Never thought of it that way. That's true. So I've read where you've said that there's a lot of power in archetypes. And are you referring to becoming unstuck or moving? I, I, from what you're saying today, I kind of, I'm viewing it now as like kind of freeing yourself to be more of who you really are. That's right. Being, yes, you have the power to free yourself. Good. That was well said, actually, to become more of who you really are and to live in a, in a more evolved level of consciousness than we were living before. So uh, Carolyn Mace calls the unevolved level of consciousness, the chronos. And we spend a lot of time in chronos. I still continue to spend a lot of time in chronos. It's our default patterns. But now I'm getting, a be getting better at saying, oh, the way I've been feeling today, that doesn't feel so good in my body. So I'm getting better at saying, wait a minute, if something feels off, where am I stuck in the chronos or my default or feeling like a victim or feeling like I've sabotaged myself? And what do I know about archetypes to shift my consciousness to the next level? So where can I start to make different choices? Where can I start to have boundaries either with someone else or with my own thoughts? You know, where can I stop acting like a child, either disempowered like a child would be or overly responsible? Where can I start relaxing some of that? What's a different choice I could make? And that's the power. And then you become so much more free to live with kind of wisdom and mastery than just by living, being frustrated by your default patterns. Right. So living in mastery sounds like a much better choice to me and really is lovely. Um, I feel like you have the power to access that. Yeah. And I think, like I mentioned before, the default patterns, you don't even pay attention to it because you're so used to. That's just the way you function. We don't even know we're in right, it. Right, exactly. So you don't change yeah. it because you don't pay attention to it. That's right. That's right. Yep. So I have to ask, yeah. as you increased your knowledge of these archetypes and why you behave the way you do, so to speak, does it help you start understanding other people more? I mean, like when you, when you see a particular behavior. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Yes. When I'm talking to people, I'm like, oh, there's the victim there without judgment, because God knows I've been there myself. And God knows I sometimes slip back into those myself, you know, and gently point out things if people are willing. And you also have to know that there's nobody that you're going to ever really be able to change but yourself. So you can live then as the role model for people to kind of look at. And if they have questions for you, oh, how did you go from here to here? Then you can tell them a little part of your story, but thinking that you're going to change your spouse. Oh, stop <laughs> being a child. You know, you need to become the guardian of innocence or you need to become the sovereign in your life, which is like how the child evolves. The child archetype evolves. It's probably not going to get you. Uh, you may see it in someone, but you're probably not going to change someone unless they come to you asking for that change. So just live your life changing yourself. Right. I'm an inspiration to someone else. Yeah. Like you said at the beginning of this uh, episode is that people have to want the change. So I, I didn't look at it as changing someone, but just understanding why they're behaving the way they are. You know? yeah. And like you said, yeah. you're a therapist also. So you probably 
already had that knowledge. But when you start to see archetypes, like for example, you can also start to have a little bit more compassion for people because we come into this incarnation with all 12 of our archetypes already intact. So sometimes if people aren't conscious and they're living by their default patterns, you can see them creating chaos around them. Like think of someone with an addict archetype or a bully archetype, and they're really acting out of those archetypes from their shadow patterns. And you can sort of have compassion because in some ways you can say, yes, they signed up for that archetype. But when we've become incarnated, we don't realize that we have. And what they really need is compassion and awareness to step out of those archetypes. But that's really up to their free will if they want to do that or not. So we, we want to protect ourselves. We want that warrior to protect ourselves from people who might be behaving in ways that, that could harm us. We don't want to say, oh, it's okay that you have this bully archetype. I'm just going to put up with you being a bully because I see that you're not conscious. I mean, we want to protect ourselves from that. But once we've protected ourselves from that, we can kind of look back and say, yep, they've got this archetype. And I hope that one day they will choose to make some change in their life. Does that make sense? Yeah, there you came back. You froze on me. So <laughs> we're having a storm here. So, um, oh, okay. yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I, I think that's where I meant it is like more of a compassionate understanding of why they're acting the way they are. So you can be kinder in your response to their actions, maybe. Yeah, even while you're protecting yourself from harm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you want to do that at all times. Yeah. So is there anything else that we haven't discussed so far that you want to, as, as far as the archetypes themselves or what lights you up today, what's new on the horizon for you? I have a, a new meditation that anyone who wants to download it from my website, my website is yourradiantlife.net. And I have a meditation called Embody the Divine Feminine for Confidence. It's about a 10 minute meditation to help people who might be uh, a little stuck in not feeling confident, not having a voice, not standing up for themselves. It's a meditation to help people think about what would the next level look like? How would I feel if I had boundaries and how would I feel if I had good people supporting me, you know, and how feel if I were connected to the earth and the cosmos and could just sort of walk with that energy, with that head and heart coherence. And so for anybody who's interested in that, I was going to ask, can you talk about like the shadow, um, the shadow play is, is that in simplistic terms, is that like the negative side and then the light is the positive? Yes, pretty much. Although we need all of it in order to create change. Right. right. So ultimately it's all necessary, right? but yes, the shadow would be considered our default patterns. If I go into victim mode or the other part of being a victim is being a victimizer, where you start saying, you're not doing this right. You know, being mean, that can be a shadow side of the victim as well as being disempowered. So both of those are victim in the shadow and we start to up-level our consciousness and we start thinking, well, maybe I don't want to be that anymore what choices do i actually have to create better responses we come into the light of that archetype and we're doing a little bit better in our lives when we start having thoughts like that so as you work through this uh, do you i i'm assuming it's progressively more the positive more light than the negative i mean i know we're all human you're always going to have a mix right, right? 
Yeah. I mean, that's, yes, we can, we start living much more consciously than we did before. Right. If like whatever's in your 10th house, for example, your 10th house is your highest potential. So whatever archetype is there, if you feel like you're really not excelling in your career, in your relationships, you know, in what you're to bring to the world, knowing what archetype is in your 10th house is so helpful because, oh, that's because I'm doing this thing, this other thing that I shouldn't be doing. So how do I evolve my way of thinking so that I can really start stepping into one of the biggest reasons that I'm here on the planet? It's just so helpful to be living in the light side of that archetype instead of the shadow, because get some things done. We're all here for a reason. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And people who find their purpose in life are very blessed. You know, a lot of people spend their whole life trying to figure it out. Right. Well, we all have access to that. We, and it doesn't have to be archetypes, although it very much could be. I think that would be a great way to find out what, you know, one of the, that you're, the biggest reason that you're here. Archetypes is a good way. That's not the only way. But if people could put effort into really trying to figure that out and then do that thing, oh, this world would be such a better place than it is now. So are you able to separate the therapist part of yourself from the archetypal consultant, or do they both blend? Well, I've had to work really hard on doing that over the last five years or so. I think in the very beginning, I was blending too much, but a much more strict protocol for how I do archetypal consulting, because people aren't coming for therapy. And I'm not supposed to be providing therapy for people who are coming for archetypal consulting. So I've gotten much more clear about how I structure those sessions so that we're staying in the archetypal realm. Have you ever had someone come for archetypal mm -hmm. consulting and then they need therapy though, and you switch them? Over? That has happened, you know, for people I feel like have had a lot of trauma. Right. I mean, archetypal consulting is not here to like sort of sift through people's trauma. I might recommend that they find a therapist either, you know, after our work is finished, or if really that's getting in the way of the work, I might say, you know, here's recommendations for some good therapist. Why don't you do some work there for six months or whatever it is, and then come back to the archetypal consulting, because they're just going to be a little more free to get to the work. I mean, therapy is really very, very important venue for so many people. And I don't oh, want people absolutely. to skip apart if it's really very necessary. Absolutely. So if, if someone's listening today and they love what you're talking about and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Is it through your website or is there? It's yourradiantlife.net is the best way to reach out to me. Are you on social media as well where they can follow you and? I have a Facebook page called Your Radiant Life with Carolyn Wallace. And I have a brand new Instagram that's just so very new. Uh, talk about that yet, oh. but you could probably find me on Instagram. By the time this episode drops, I'll be there too. Okay, awesome. And I, I anything you give me, I'll put in the show notes too. So they'll have easy access to it. But Great. And I thank you for talking with us today. It was, it was fascinating because I, like I said, I have minimal knowledge of archetypes. So it, it was very interesting to hear how it all comes together. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this anytime. So thank you for, for providing the, the place. Oh, absolutely. For me to do that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Carolyn sharing her journey, experience, and wisdom has helped you in some way. The main takeaway for me, I think, is that many times we don't even realize what is driving us through life. We just mindlessly go through and, and don't pay attention to our reactions and our emotions and 
what triggers us. It may be something from our childhood or something someone has said or done to us, but until we figure that out, we will struggle with true change, I think. I also feel that our personality has a lot to do with the choices we make or don't make, and in a way, I think that the traits of our personality align to what Carolyn refers to as the different archetypes. At least that helps me to try to understand the archetypes a little better. So what stood out to you? I would love to hear from you. As always, I hope this episode helps at least one person. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening.